Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Pot Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, in this episode 343. A lot of episodes. I am joined, as always, by my co-host Stacy. That is at Stacy Pen eighty nine on Twitter. Stacy, how are you doing on this uh, rather gloomy Monday? It's a victory Monday for me. So, um, did not answer the question. <laughs> I'm doing all right. <laughs> all right, uh, good to know. Uh, it is victory Monday for me. Also, it's also a victory Monday for Jets fans, but not Giants fans. So, congrats to Jets fans. Um, all right. Before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. First, we that Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strickland on Instagram. Posting all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are and you have not done so already, please hit like, leave us a comment, and subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. Strickland also has merchandise available on our website. You can find it at www.thestrick.land. There's a link there that will take you to the merchandise store. You can find all, all kinds of cool stuff on there. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it. We've got it. Again, you can find that on our website. And the Strickland has a Patreon which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pot Strickland's podcast that has a party with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland mailbag, which is actually not the Strickland mailbag anymore. It is called Takes from Hobby Sposos that is still hosted by Andrew Steele. And he has a new host, co-host that is Zach Letter. They respond to the takes that are submitted in our takes from obvious bozos channel and our patreon in our discord and then they grade and react to your hot takes that you submit and Circland has a discord with where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a nine dollar tier that gives you access to chicken roll my solo pod where I rant and rave with Nick's even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. And now you get access to strictly NFL or NFL podcast that is hosted by Constantine and Jeffrey Rasmussen. There are further tiers. There's a fifteen dollar tier, thirty dollar tier, fifty dollar tier, dollar tier. This comes with a variety of additional benefits, like listening on a product recordings and merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting the podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, it's be possible without you, and none of this would be possible without Bet Online. The last of the major pro sports leagues kicks off this weekend. Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season, with MLB postseason, NFL, and college football and NHL in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds trends and predictions get everything nba at your fingertips with both desktop desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime head to the bet online app or website today to get in on the action don't forget to use promo code believe b-l-e-a-v to receive your 15 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts um the knicks are now one and two they split a weekend back-to-back they win on friday in atlanta they lose in a really i don't want to say listless but just a they just could not get anything going offensively on Saturday in New Orleans. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, where, where are you? Are you are you concerned about anything you're seeing? Are you happy, over overwhelmingly joyful about anything you're seeing, or uh, are you pretty much like, yeah, this looks like what I expected it to be in the early going, and I'm not too worried about it in the long run. Yeah, I mean, on our Strickland roundtable, they asked for, you know, one of the questions was, um, how many wins do you predict the Knicks to get? I said 53. 
but I also I went through the schedule and this was not a very scientific process or in depth or anything. But I just went through it kind of mentally keeping track of, you know, what's a back to back, you know, how good is the team, how many games do I think we'll win against the team on the road and all that. And I came up with fifty three, but I realized I was as I was mentally going through that process, the Knicks didn't start getting separation from five hundred, you know, in my simulation. Uh, until close to the midway point of the season, you know, it was, they were like 20 and 15, 20 and 16, 20. Like, I think that's just going to happen. Um, cause the, the front of the schedule, I mean, it's, the schedule is front loaded and there's that that's without even taking into account the actual, you know, time and then rest time and all of that. <clears throat> we're just playing a lot of good teams. So they've lost two games. One is to a team many consider a title favorite. There's New Orleans that is healthy, and people forget for the first 20 games of last year, they were the one seed. And they, you know, we were on the road, and, um, you know, second game of back to back. So neither of these are bad losses, and Atlanta's a good win. Uh, there's, I'm not as high on the, as maybe some other people, but a lot of smart people I know or follow are, are reasonably high on the Hawks. So that's not a bad win at all. Um, in terms of specifics, um, you know, it's tough to, I don't want to draw sweeping conclusions. Julius Randle having a game with eight turnovers is less than ideal. Um, I'm not worried about Brunson yet. Um, I don't think like his issues have been an issue of, or like, you know, people are adjusting to him or something. I think he's just missing shots. Um, I will say, like, there's actually one encouraging thing is that I think RJ Barrett has been pretty much everything you have, you and I have wanted him to be, and, and most Knicks fans have wanted him to be. Um, which is to say, a really good second or third option <laughs> on a championship team. Um, so I think the, the issues have been more, it really have been just Randall and Brunson haven't played well. Um, and I mean, you can blame Tibbs all you want, but if that remains the case, <laughs> The Knicks are screwed no matter what. I don't think it'll be the case. Yeah, I'm um, not really worried about Brunson at all, to be honest. I think the mid-range stuff is likely going to come around pretty soon. And from three, he's shot pretty well, aside from the Pelicans game. Uh, if I were to be concerned about anything with him, I would say that I think even in the last preseason game, he was doing this a bit. I And I know it's easy to, like, I thought they got a bad whistle against the Pelicans. Um, I don't really, like, I thought a lot of that game was just very weirdly officiated. They did let a lot go both ways, but I, it, it felt like the Knicks were getting a pretty short end of the whistle there. Um, but he did this in the last preseason game against the Wizards picked up a tech there. I know he picked up a tech uh, in this past game also. And I I also think like he seems to be somebody who's been getting targeted with these new flopping rules or whatever. I, I actually don't agree with either of the flopping fines, calls, or whatever that he received. I, both those to me seem like he's not even begging for a call. So I, I, it's really hard for me to see how that's a flop. I think he lands on a guy's foot in both instances. 
So that was pretty problematic. I think they missed a call again in this Pelicans game where he landed, in, where somebody landed in his landing area on a jumper as well. Um, but anyway, like I, I think he needs to. I get the frustration with the officiating, Fran. I think he needs to be careful to not let that take away from his focus. Um, not saying that it definitely has, but I do feel like he's getting into it a little bit more with the refs than he did last season. And maybe some of that is an overall frustration thing because he's missing shots that he knows he can make. Uh, his three-point shooting against Atlanta was awesome, obviously. Uh, and I think he shot the well, he shot the ball well from three in the opener, too. I want to say he went two for five from three. Pelicans one was the only one where he just didn't have a three going. But, like, at some point, the floater, the mid-range stuff, I'm fairly confident that will start going. He's not, to me, it does not look like he's getting locked up. It just looks like he's missing shots that you'd expect him to make at some point. Uh, Randall, I am... Oh, the last thing I'll say about Brunson, he needs to do a way better job at the start of these games getting other, guy, other guys involved. And very specifically, he needs to fucking find Quentin Grimes. Like, it, it's kind of a joke at this point how little he's looked for him or found him even on open looks. Um, so that that's something that needs to be, like, drilled and, and something that needs to be a focus for him, quite honestly. Um, with Randall... I don't, I'm not too worried about the shooting numbers right now. Uh, I think that'll come around. But I feel like he's trying. He, and I, I, I thought this in preseason too. I didn't mind it. I, I don't mind it actually at all as a, as a thing. Um, it feels like he's trying to be more of a playmaker this year and trying to like let the game come to him and, and be more aggressive about creating for others before he starts looking for his own shot. And I appreciate that. And I, I think that's like worthy of praise or whatever, but it feels like it's getting his entire game out of whack. Like he, he doesn't, he has not looked, uh, even when he's looking to score, it just feels like he's kind of caught in two minds. And I, I think his decision-making has suffered a little bit for that. And I know that like he didn't have a turnover against the Celtics, but whatever it is, like, Again, I challenge anybody to watch that Celtics game and tell me he played well. I don't think he was pump faking and doing stupid shit like that as he was doing in the, in the Celtics game nearly as much against the Pelicans. Um, his game against Atlanta, he was flat out good, even though he didn't shoot well. His playmaking was good in that game. Unlucky not to get a triple-double. Uh, I think his defense looked better over three games. On aggregate, there's still individual moments where you're like, what the fuck are you doing, Julius? But on the whole, I would say that he's looked better better on defense and more locked in. But he is just, it feels like he's a little bit stuck in mud and his decision-making process, while he's trying to recalibrate his game individually, I think is affecting the sum total of the team right now. So that's maybe just something he needs to work through, find the better balance, whatever it is, or just get back to like playing how you know he can play. I think that's something to keep an eye on. I tweeted as much after the game on Saturday, uh, you, where I you said think he's playing differently from how he normally plays. I think he's trying to be more of a playmaker. I don't think he's being like. Do you think he's too passive, or you think he's kind of a little bit sometimes? Like I think when he's putting the ball on the floor, he's like driving to pass, which fine, but like he's not somebody I totally love, like trying to be some cerebral off the bounce playmaker. I feel like he when he keeps it simple, that's best for him. And in that Pelicans game, it just felt like constantly he was trying to like 
be way too cute with it. And and some of this, like, I, I don't know where this comes in in terms of, like, is it the player's execution? Is it Julius, you know, hijacking the offense? Is it Tibbs? This is what he wants them to do. But I thought in the Atlanta game, especially, there were a lot of good, like, he has the ball at the top of the key and he makes quick swing passes. He's making, like, quicker swing passes and, and finding the extra man and, and all that stuff. Like, that's the stuff that is good. And And I think when he catches the ball from that position, I like his decision-making a lot more. Against the Pelicans, and some of this is because the Pelicans were playing good defense. Some of it was also the Knicks were kind of just, like, allowing it to happen. But they were feeding him a lot in the post, mid-post, elbow areas and stuff with his back to the basket. And I don't like him. In those, and I think that's when he gets into the most trouble as a playmaker, uh, aside from, like, when he spins into, like, you know, the lane or something. But when he has his back to the basket, he just – he's not – doesn't have the feel for that consistently in the way that other guys do. And I think he even had a couple of turnovers where, like, he'd catch them on the post. He's looking over his shoulder one way, and then I think McCollum got him on, got him on one where he just came and swiped the ball in from behind. I forgot who it was exactly. But, like, I, I think that's something that um, they need to avoid with him. So, like, I appreciate trying to play make with him. And if that's something that is not just a Julius thing, but, like, a team-wide effort thing, that's fine. But they need to really examine, like, okay, what does it mean to want Julius to be more of a playmaker? How how do we get that to happen in a way that's efficient and actually plays to his strengths? And I feel like when you throw it to him, stagnant ISOs, mid-post stuff, that's not what he's good at. So uh, that's the last one. And then the last thing I'll say is, like, what, I, I got to say, I think Mitch has been awesome these last two games. I thought, he was, I thought aside from Zion, he was the best player on the floor in that Pelicans game. Like, he, I thought he was awesome in that game. Um, but I'm not liking what I've seen from Josh Hart or DiVincenzo. I mean, DiVincenzo, some of it is just like, it's not, this, I want to be very clear. This is not about them as players. This is not like, do I think they're bad players? No, I think they're good players. And I think they've individually, especially DiVincenzo's case, done good things. I thought he was, I mean, we saw him against Atlanta. He did a really good game. Um, but what I am not liking from either of them is, Big fan of them getting rebounds and pushing the ball before it. Not big fan of, oh, there's nothing in transition. Let me now try to initiate the set. I don't want these guys initiating a fucking half-court set ever. Ever. Not once. Like, never in life should they be initiating half-court offense if they're on the floor, especially if they're on the floor with two guys that can create. And for the most part in these games, they have been playing with Quickly and RJ, or Quickly and whoever it is. And I don't notice it as much when Brunson's on the floor, but when Quickly's been the guy on the floor with them, and even and, and I will say even with like in the first game and through much of the preseason, what I liked is that even when Quickly was on the floor with like Divincenzo and Hart, and even if RJ wasn't on or Brunson wasn't on, or Rendell was on, it was just Quickly and those guys and whoever else. Quickly was the one bringing the ball up the floor. He was very much the point guard, running the offense, whatever you want to call it. I did not like against Atlanta how often DiVincenzo was bringing the ball to the floor. And some of that I thought was like they had quickly coming off these curls and they just maybe wanted to get him going downhill a little bit. Fine. Um, I thought it got really bad in the Pelicans game. I thought DiVincenzo was bringing the ball up way too much. And not just off boards, but like as designated, like bring the ball up before as the kind of first sequence of initiating the offense. Did not like that at all. I think that's a big mistake. I don't think it does him any favors. And I think it doesn't do that group any favors. Um, and I, I just, I think Josh Hart right now is not, he's not gotten off to a good start to the season. 
his decision-making on offense has been suspect. I thought he got a bad whistle against the Pelicans. I still don't think that explains some of his struggles in that game. And his decision-making flat out has not been good. When he he's doing a thing right now, he constantly is over-penetrating when he does go to the rim, getting himself into dangerous positions. Uh, he's kind of make having to make wild passes out. I have not liked that. I have not liked... Um, I, I just think he's tr- pressing. It feels like he's pressing. That's what it feels like to me. Like maybe it's a contract. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say he looks tired, but I don't think he's moving and playing at the same way he was when we got him last season. Um, I don't know. It's just something that he's, it's not been good. So his defense has looked okay. I thought, again, I thought he got a bad whistle against the Pelicans. I still have no idea how they call that foul on him. Um, the one that Ingram got, like that's a, it's either a no call or an offensive foul. It's definitely not a defensive foul. But then he compounded like, that fucking pass he made in the third quarter was a joke. Like that was, that, that's crazy. He threw a fucking full court pass and nobody touched. So they got the ball right underneath our basket with two and a half seconds left. Like that should never happen. Um, granted, like they didn't score, which is good, but like that was an unacceptable play. Um, and he, I think he's, to me, when especially I'm from someone who's known as the veteran steadying. Yeah, presses, yeah, I I did not like that, and I I just think like, um, it feels like every time he gets the ball right now, he's trying to make something happen, and he's not playing. Like he's just not making smart decisions or good decisions. Even, um, he's just trying to do way too much. It feels like. And the last thing I'll say, and I actually have some sympathy for this. If some of this is individuals trying to work themselves into like just kind of get their shit together and figuring out how they fit into what we're trying to do as a group. I get that. And I think that's totally reasonable to have going on early in the season. I know people will be like, well, we're, you know, we brought back eight of the nine guys. It shouldn't be a big deal. Like I, I don't, I don't think that's how it works. Uh, each season is different. I think you're, you see teams figuring shit out and uh, early in the season, even if they have continuity. So that, that's not a big deal for me. And I, I think Tibbs might also be kind of figuring out like how to deploy all these guys in the best way he wants possible. Um, and that's why like, I didn't – do I think he should have – like the, the one thing like, – I did not love – I didn't like him pulling quickly when he did to leave Hart in the game at the end of the Bellingham game. Not that I think – I don't think it would have mattered either way. But, like, Hart did nothing in that game. Like, he had nothing. He, he was doing nothing offensively. And even if you want to say, like, like Randall was terrible in that game. You know, he was probably the worst player on the team in a lot of ways. I'm still okay with Randall coming back in because it's like you needed some kind of offensive spark, even on the off chance that you, if you were going to make a comeback. And there's always a chance that Julius can get hot. There's always a chance. Uh, same thing with Brunson, right? Like, I get that. But that's kind of why I don't get why you went with, stuck with Hart over quickly, especially given that Hart didn't really do anything in that game. Not that quickly was great or anything. I don't even think he was particularly good, but like he at least scored a little bit, and like that's what you needed. You needed to just hope that somebody got hot at the right time. So um, I didn't like that. And uh, the last thing I'll say is just like I think there's still some stuff he's figuring out the rotations. But yeah, my big those are my big things. Like I, I just think when that bench group is in, I really don't like how much in the last two games we've seen Divincenzo and Hart on ball initiating, trying to create. like I, That's not their game. That's not what they should be doing. Do you think the and, bench would benefit from playing Randall with them more? 
I don't know. Randall's just not really playing that well right now. Sounds really hard to say. Um, but I kind of like RJ in that group anyway. I think it's fine. Yeah, it's interesting because I think RJ, RJ has been much better on ball. Like I can see him carrying that unit all season, but he still Randall's a little more diverse in his games. So you wonder if he can take some more of those possessions from uh, Dante and uh, Hart. Sorry, say that again. The last part. I wonder if if Randall can absorb some more of those possessions that Dante and Hart are taking right now. Maybe, Randall, but like this is where like, I just even I, though I think, made yeah. unequivocally really yeah, big leads. I, I think you just leave it how it is right now because you want that group to like have a chance to develop some type of continuity, consistency, whatever. Um, I know DiVincenzo is like. He's a little bit. He's he involves himself in the play. I think more consistently than a guy like Obi was able to in New York. Uh, just given that, like, he is a guard and he, you know, whatever. But like, you need to give these guys time. I think to figure it out. If in fifteen games, twenty games, or something, that unit is still kind of struggling for balance, then I think maybe then you consider it. But um, for right now, I think he's. Seems like he's operating pretty generally on how he wants these lineups to be and what he like wants the groupings and pairings to look like. I'm okay with that. He just has to know at what point and what. And I think like I think he's also trying to figure out like okay, what do I have in Demon Genzo and how does that fit into what I want to do with this group? How do I make these guys fit all together? Um, like I haven't really noticed any. Like so far, I haven't seen a lot of great one-two kind of play between IQ and Divincenzo, right? That's something that I think comes in time um, as those guys develop and an understanding and a chemistry playing together. But like, my big thing is just like I'm kind of okay with four guys in this team initiating offense, and everybody else needs to kind of figure out, figure out, figure it out off of that. Like, if DiVincenzo can create on the second side of an action, I'm fine with that. That's different to me. But way too much, like, him putting the ball on the floor and, like, early clock, running a pick and roll. Like, no, I don't want to see that shit, dude. I, I have no desire to watch DiVincenzo running pick and rolls. Like, that shit is crap. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be my, my major things. But, like, yeah, like, I, I'm not too worried about what I'm seeing from them. As a how, would you draw any parallels between kind of how DiVincenzo has struggled initially and again it's been three games i think that's probably the biggest thing it's like i i really don't think it's responsible to have takes um i mean i, I don't know if i go this far but when uh you know was it a few years ago where they said 20 games is when we'll know i think that was the fizzdale year right the year he got fired um i do want to take my time when it comes to divincenzo do you see any parallels between him and Kind of how Isaiah Hardenstein struggled when he first got here. Um, maybe uh, I could totally see it, but I think I mean I, it's always a, it's always a difference. You could tell, especially in like there's been a few instances where you can tell that Divincenzo doesn't know where he's supposed to be on a given play, and then they like take longer to get into a set or just fucks up the set to begin with. 
So I think there's some of that going on for sure. Hartenstein was injured. He was dealing with an injury on top of adjusting. So I think that's a little bit different. But like, yeah, I mean, I do think there's some of that going on with him just because that's natural. Um, dude, this guy's layup package is fucking crazy bad. Holy, he, had, he missed that one on the break, right, against the Pelicans. I was just like, I, it was so weird, too, because it felt like one he could have dunked, honestly. And he instead, he, he's obsessed with this, that like, when you're going to your left, kind of finish, kind of like, I don't even know how to describe it, but kind of like you're in, like, off the Inside outside of hand, finish, yeah, right? kind of curving he, around, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he, he loves that fin trying to go for that finish. I think he's at like one. So I don't know. Look, Warriors fans did say that we should be weary of his uh finishing around the rim, but like yeah, it, it's not great. Hopefully it gets better because some of this stuff has been you're like, how do you even miss that one? I mean the again, the one in the break against Pelicans was unbelievable. And then I guess like the final thing is their end of game stuff against both Boston, not great. But especially the Hawks was That's really just a tip bad. Thing, right? <laughs> it is, but like I mean, the Brunson that passed RJ was ridiculous. I don't know what that was. That was just like super nonchalant. There's no excuse for that. There was really, I mean, he was being pressured, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like holy shit, like really locking him up. That that was a really bad play. Um, but they need to get their end of game shit together, and they need to get you know obviously free throws together. The shooting, I know everybody like. They're definitely dealing with some conditioning things too. I think that was really obvious in the Pelicans game. Second, like you're on the back night of a back to back, second night of a back to back rather, and early in the season, and you could just tell like they just could not get that gear. They fought the entire game. Like I, I, I thought the effort was good. Like they, I didn't feel like they were dogging it. It wasn't anything like that. Um, I think they fought in every game. You know, it's like the Celtics game and the Hawks game. They gone behind early and they or not the Hawks game. Sorry, the yeah, Pelicans game. They gone behind early and they found a way to still kind of like stay in the game and, and at least give themselves a chance going into the fourth quarter. But like, good God, like that, that was just, you could tell they had no juice, but yeah, that's what, that's like part of the reason why I'm not too concerned over what I'm saying. And I actually think the defense has been pretty solid. Like I thought their defense against the Pelicans was good. I, there was some weird stuff with Zion. I didn't like where I'm like, I think you can fall into the trap of playing too deep on him. And like, you don't want to give him a runway to get into the paint. Because then, I mean, there were so many where he just, like, had a runway and he just took off and you're like, fuck, we can't do anything. But um, I thought Julius needed to play a little bit higher up, shade him, like, stand literally to his left, don't let him go left. I know it's easier said than done. But um, overall, I think the defense has been pretty okay. Um, and, you know, like that, like, yeah, sure, the, the Hawks put up 120. I mean, they, they put up points on everybody they played so far. They put up 110 on the Hornets and they put up, what whatever they put up yesterday, the fucking bucks like 127 or something and they called the dogs off in that pretty early so that team can score I'm not, i think they're going to be a good, really good offense so like i think the next defense so far has been pretty decent i thought they played well against the the celtics like i was very impressed with the defense that game and i thought they played well against the pelicans also yeah i mean the celtics i mean tatum got 34 i think Porzingis got 30 tatum hit a lot of tough shots i thought grimes played good defense on him Porzingis, it was mostly things that, especially against the Knicks defense, is probably a little bit more to open to or vulnerable to some of the things that a guy like Porzingis can do. Uh, we've seen guys like Vucevic have success on them. If you can step out and hit three, um, not even a knock on Mitch, who I agree with you has been great, but just the way that the Knicks like to use their bigs, you know, he it, he gets he gets put in pretty difficult situations. Um, but 
other than that, I thought the rotations were good. I thought they, I don't know if they, I would say they clamped down, but they really improved over the course of the game. You know, a couple of breakdowns late. Um, you know, it, it, they, they, their defense looked how I would expect it to look. I thought Grimes did, you know, yeoman's work in a tough matchup with Tatum. I thought RJ was good when he defended Tatum. I've actually been impressed with RJ's defense. I thought quickly was vintage, great team defense quickly. Um, but I also thought Brunson and Randall weren't that good. I thought Mitch was really good. Um, so I think um, the defense has not been the issue, right? I think the only they had, <laughs> I thought they had one real bad game. I think we'd both agree they had a good game against the Hawks with some flaws. I think I would say they had a good game against the Celtics with a lot of flaws, and and their two best players basically didn't show up. And then the only one that's really concerning is New Orleans. But again, that's I don't think that's team. concerning. Like I'm just well, I, 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 that is potential. Like where they looked bad. That's what I would say. I, I agree with you. I don't. I really don't even think they look that bad. I don't. I think they look fine. I think they turned the ball over a bit, but like I'm just like these. They had. I mean, one of them turned it over eight times. Well, that's what I'm saying. They had ten. They had, they had eighteen turnovers as a team. Eight of that is Julius. Like, but that that I mean, he's a big part of the team. Yeah, They're, but he's not going to turn the ball over eight not. times a game. Like that's even in his like bad moments. Like eight turnovers is probably like a fucking career high for him. Famous last words. Yeah, but but like I mean, if you look at the box score, they completely dominated the glass. It got to the line more than the Pelicans. Not that that was much because they just were not calling shit in this game. Um, they just shot like shit. Like that's really like, and the turnovers hurt, but like they shot like shit. That was the biggest problem. They could not make. They could not get anything going from three. Nobody on the team made more than one three. By the way, not one, not one person. Uh, they they finished seven to thirty seven from three. They, they didn't shoot that well inside the arc either. Uh, so they shot 26 of 53 uh, from inside the arc, which is like okay, but not enough to offset a terrible shooting performance from three. Yeah, it's below 50%. Yeah. So like it, it was just they did not have it at all. And, um, you know, that happens that there are going to be games like that. I think early in the season, back to back, you understand that one. Uh, but like, again, like that, in that game, they had a defensive rating of 96.2. So, like the defense has been there. They, they've, they've definitely, uh, I, like the concerns I had about their defense coming into the season after, pre, after especially after what we saw in the in the preseason, um, they have kind of weathered that storm pretty, pretty convincingly. Now it's just a matter of like, like we can sit here and talk about everybody else, the fucking team, but if you have two games where Brunson and Randall have been as bad as they were against Boston and as bad as they were against the Pelicans, you're gonna lose a lot of basketball games. That's we can sit here and talk about Tibbs and rotations and this guy and that guy and oh, quickly didn't do this thing. RJ didn't do this thing. Grimes has to make shots. Mitchell Robinson can't dribble. Whatever the fuck you want to say. Like, if those two guys don't show up offensively, you're not going to win. They shot four. They shot eight of twenty nine for a combined twenty four points against the Pelicans. You're not going to win games, dude. Like, you're just winning that game is really hard without those guys showing up. And that was the same case against the Celtics. And in that case, they actually got. A plenty of help. They just didn't hold up their end of the bargain at all. So, like, those two guys have to be better. And that's it. Like, I don't know how much more conversation can even be had about what we've seen in the first three games because none of this is that... Like, it would be different, I think, if they those two guys were playing well and we were one and two. I would feel a lot differently about that. But they have not played that well. And guess what? The game where they played well, surprise, surprise, next one, right? Like, 
sometimes it really is that simple. And I, I'm not saying Tibbs has been perfect or Quickly has been perfect or RJ or anybody. All of them have had moments in these first three games. RJ has been probably the best player of those three games. But, like, all of them have had moments, right, where you're like, what the fuck are you doing? That's not good. That's not good. But that's – your best players are kind of, like, the guys that give you a margin for error. And, and, and for two of these three games, those guys have not done that. And even in the Hawks game, like, Randall didn't shoot well. And, yeah, Brunson was on a heater from three, but his scoring inside the arc so far has not been there. So, like, these are not great performances that we're getting from these guys, and we're still one and two. And, honestly, in, like, other scenarios, we could be three and oh even. Like, I know the Pelicans one is a little bit weird given how bad we shot, but that's kind of the point. It's like, if you even shot slightly below average, you probably win that game. So, um I'm I'm okay with what I've seen so far. Obviously, I'm not thrilled about it. Do you think the looks they were getting were good enough to make that? I mean, is because I'll ask two things. They added, they replaced a at best average shooter. I'm going to say Obi's a below average shooter with a really good one in Dante DiVincenzo. Um, you know, we talked all off season about how quickly Rhymes, RJ. Even Brunson should improve their three-point volume. Um, the Knicks have added shooters in the past. Uh, you know, Fournier worked out, didn't work out for a number of reasons, but they added him. They added Reggie Bullock. They added Burks. And it always seems like we're a poor shooting team. Um, you know, is that just a relic of the Tibbs offense? Is that because we have Randall here and the spacing is always going to be a little bit weird? Is it the ISO-heavy nature? Is that a thing for you yet? Because it feels like this should be the year the Knicks should improve as a shooting team. Well, they shot the ball well, well in the first two games this season. They did. I mean, what did they shoot against Boston? They were like less than 18 of 41. From three? From three? 18 of, that's what they finished? They started cold as fuck. Yeah, they, I mean, they didn't start well, but they they shot they shot a better percentage and made more threes in that game um, than Boston. So against the Hawks, they shot 20 of 44 from three. Um, and against Boston, they shot... Pretty sure it was eighteen forty one. Let me just check. Uh, yeah, eighteen of forty one from three. Like the three point shooting has been good. Other side from the Pelicans game, if I, I would bet, even after the Pelicans game, they're probably looking okay in the overall uh, the overall team standings here. But like, yeah, I'm not too worried about the three point percentage. I'm not really worried about how well they're going to shoot it or not. The Knicks are ninth right now in the league in three point shooting. Granted, these are extremely small sample sizes. Um, for example, the Brooklyn Nets, who I think will be a bad three-point shooting team, are second in the NBA uh, on, on three-point percentage of 42.9. So, like, it's important to recognize how small of a sample you're dealing with here. Um, and, yeah, like, I, I think it's too early for me to say one way or the other. Are they a good shooting team? Are they a bad shooting team? Or is there something to be concerned about? Um, I just, you know, obviously, like, Again, we can sit here and talk about the team shooting and all that shit, but like if Brunson and Randall play better, like you probably win these games. So these guys just have to be better. Like I, I don't I don't know. I know this is like very boring, but like I just don't think it's that deep. Like it's very hard to win games if your two best guys are scoring less points than shots attempted. It's generally not a very successful path to success. So um, if at any point those guys want to string together a couple of good shooting games, that would be awesome, and I'd appreciate that.
Did you know that Julius Randle also had more turnovers than the New York Giants had passing yards? I didn't know that. I did know that. It's a fun but, stat. Um, so, um, I, I mean, I, I mostly agree with you. I think three games is too quick. Um, how can, do you think it's a thing? Do you think defenses are adapting to Brunson or do you think he's just missing shots? I think he's just missing shots. I haven't seen anything to make me think like, oh, they're adapting. He's getting good shots. He's getting shots that he made he last year. Yeah. I think anybody like, I know somebody was, uh, talking about number one option, Brunson getting exposed or whatever the fuck that was. But uh, I don't think that's really a thing. I think he's just missing shots. And it's Do you think he's trying to do quickly a solid and get him his extension boosted? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I'm not, again, I'm not too worried about this. Tibbs teams in general, I think, start off pretty, like, start off kind of up and down. So uh, if they're still struggling with the same stuff 20 games in, then I think you should be concerned. But for right now, I'm not really worried. What about Randall? Randall, I, I mean, like I said, I just think he's just in his head right now. He's trying to change his game, recalibrate his game, kind of find the right equilibrium. That's what it is. I, I mean, the guy I'm really most worried about is just Hart. Because, like, I mean, look, he obviously signed a new contract. Shot, like, amazing from three in New York last year. We knew that wasn't going to be something that well, he was, shot well the first. He shot well against Boston, right? Yeah, he shot two or four though. I mean, it's not like he's shooting a bunch of shots. Well, that, for four attempts for him is like Steph taking fifteen. It's yeah, so, like that's not bad volume. Uh, it's, four, four for a lot of guys. Is, it's okay, but and he only yeah, played twenty two minutes, so like that was reasonable. I, I'm just worried about him. Like, I he's not doesn't look like he's moving as well as he had he was last year. So maybe there was something to him kind of sitting as much as he did in preseason with whatever the injury was. Um, and then, like, look, we saw this with Julius a couple years ago. I don't think we can just dismiss the fact that he has two newborn kids at home. Like, I don't. Like, I think that is a thing. And Home um, is where the heart is. So, And um, I don't know. I, I have, I feel like, I feel like uh, he is, He's playing like a guy to me who feels like he doesn't have the energy that is required to be awesome at all the stuff that made him awesome last year. Like it feels like he's a little bit tired, a little bit lethargic uh, when I've seen him this year. And that's I I don't think it's a question of his effort. I just wonder if he is kind of feeling some of the effects of having uh, twins at home. And, we should uh, notice that for the first time in his life. We should note that he's averaging seven boards a game, almost six point seven. Um, so you know he, we're holding him to a pretty high standard, right? This is a guy. Um, did you see uh, Tristan Thompson's comments, by the way? Speaking of Josh, um, I did see that Tristan Thompson said words, and then I went ahead and ignored anything he said because it was Tristan Thompson. Ah, uh, yeah, I am reading all that. I'm happy for you, or sorry that happened. Right? Um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I think it's fair. I mean, my concerns for Josh Hart are less about, I think, any change. And it's more that you have to ask how sustainable is that type of game, right? Long term, where a guy can't really shoot, can't really create his own offense, but is just like 
he's like you cannot point to him in your car. He's not the kind of part of your car that you could be like, I know exactly what this does and exactly how much it um, improves my car's performance, but he is a, a part of the car that just makes everything run smoother. Um, and you wonder how much utility does that have, and if it's not having utility after a couple of games, I think that's something fair to be concerned about. We've discussed a lot of the concerns. Um, I think both of you and I have been pretty happy with R.J. Barrett uh, could you talk a little bit about what you've seen from him? You know, is he turning a corner here? Is his fool's gold somewhere in the middle? You know, what are your thoughts on RJ's start? Um, yeah, I like, I just like how he's playing. I think he's making consistently, he's made better decisions. Um, still, again, like this is not for all these guys. It's just so early in the season that I think taking too much good or bad is probably a mistake. But, like, I think RJ is... Um, I, I mean, look, all I can say is that that Atlanta game is probably as good as he's... At least offensively, as good a game as he's had in his career in terms of just, like... I'm not talking... I mean, I know he scored 46 against the Bulls or whatever, but in terms of, like, just kind of operating within the flow but making plays happen when you get those opportunities, kind of just that balance was excellent in that game. I thought his passing was really good. He did a really good job in the glass. Like, he's he played very, very well in that game. The Boston one was kind of a mixed bag to me. And, um, you know, with the Pelicans one, like, it's not just him. They all they all kind of had a, a, a weird game. So, um, you know, I'm definitely – the biggest thing for me, for getting offense, because I think I've always kind of suspected that, He'll either do that or he'll just always, like, he, I, I think he's either going to figure that out and we'll see what happens, or he's going to always just be an up and down player. The biggest thing for me is that his defense through three games have been really solid. And if he plays solid defense, it just gives him a totally different baseline uh, from what to evaluate him on. And so, like, the Celtics game is probably the best game defensively I think he's played. I mean, I don't want to say his career, but it's up there. And um, I thought he was good against the Pelicans on defense. I thought he was fine against the Hawks on defense too. I think, like, I think he's been good through three games on end. So that's my biggest. That, that's the biggest thing that I'm taking from it is just that if he plays like that, he can have a bad shooting game and still help you win the ball game. Like that's the difference between what we're seeing from him now versus what we saw from him for the majority of last season, where it was like, oh, if he's not scoring well or shooting well, this guy is definitely not adding anything on the floor right now. He's actually going to be a huge negative value. And like this in a lot of ways is kind of the opposite where like, even if he had shot poorly against Pelicans, he probably would have deserved to close the game and would have been a valuable piece to have out in the game because, um, you know, because of all of just the fact that he is playing defense and he is providing value in ways that have nothing to do with what he does with the ball in his hands. We haven't on that note, we haven't seen much of Grimes at the three. So Grimes next to Brunson and IQ or, you know, Brunson and DiVincenzo, or IQ and DiVincenzo. How much do you think is that just a Tibbs kind of aversion to those small lineups versus, you know, the very understandable and something I agree with, the fact that RJ's been playing really well, especially with those bench units. Um, and do you think we'll see more of those maybe in games where either RJ maybe going to use them more with the starters or, you know, do you think, which, which of those causes do you think it's an artifact of? I think it's just a rebounding thing. I don't think he trusts Grimes. Grimes. Rebound? 
But it's not like RJ is a great rebounder, right? I think he's probably better than Grimes. I mean, Grimes is he's averaged what? How many rebounds? And I know like this is stupid because I, I don't even think he's a, a bad rebounder, but he's not getting you the the fifty fifty rebounds and stuff that, like Josh Hart gets, right? Um, yeah, but RJ loses some twenty five. I mean, he definitely did last year. I think so far that's been good. That's that's honestly one of the most inexplicable parts of his game from for me. It's that he's been a bad rebounder, relatively speaking, for most of his career, and he's just a tank, so that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Um, he actually had a bad miss against the Celtics in the opener uh, at the end yeah. of the third quarter that cost him a bucket. But um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying it's right. I actually think he should be playing Grimes more at three and definitely... But if, um, if you have RJ playing so well, right, that diminishes those chances because he's just going to play more minutes. And then the times when he isn't, you're probably getting more minutes for hard. So. Yeah, it's just tough. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I do think it's worth mentioning that, I, like, Mitch was really good against the Pelicans, man. He, he was awesome in that game. And uh, it's unfortunate. Do you think it was the homecoming that uh, the homecoming that made him play well? Could be, but Does I think he the best. Play well against the Pelicans? I feel like I haven't. Practice. Not really. I mean, he's really struggled with Valanciunas before, which That's is kind of why, like, that was uh, such a good performance for me. Is it was a guy that he's struggled with a lot, um, who has kind of like that post game and that strength that have often given him real, can real stretch the floor too, right? Same. I mean, right. He's more of a fake shooter than a real shooter, but he can he can knock one down. So, yeah, 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 hundred um, percent. But yeah, like it is just he 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 looked really good again. I, I like I thought his defense. He, Zion tried him several times at the rim and did not get a lot of success. He was not very successful with that. Valanciunas didn't really get much done on him. I know he had a nice little burst for them in the in the fourth quarter, but like I didn't think he had a very good game either. He went three of seven. Valanciunas, so like whatever. Um, uh, he also had ten offensive rebounds in the game in Robinson. Like he's just and and against Valanciunas, who's a good defensive rebounder, um, that's actually really impressive. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've not a great opener for him, but I thought the last two games have been great. I thought he was fantastic against Atlanta. Also, like I thought he was really good in that game. And I, you know, a lot of people were giving Capella shit for he didn't come down and then he blew the the kind of lob. I kind of get why he didn't come down with the ball. I think if he if he get, if he catches the ball and he gathers it, Mitch is back in the play. Like I, I think Mitch is right there. Yeah, sometimes you have to make those judgment calls, right? Like, like it, always come down with two is one of those kind of platitudes that you know. If, if it was that obvious, then people would never try to tip the ball in, right? But the reality is, sometimes you have to, right? Just based on positioning. And if there's a guy I think who has enough reps to make that kind of decision, it's definitely Quinn Capella. So. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. It it was just a. It happens, uh, and I, I thought that was kind of like, if anything, I was. To me, I took that as like a sign of how impactful Mitchell Robinson had been in that game, defensively. That they were thinking about that. And um, are you just going off the sign from memory? Did you record the sign and try to steal it? I. Nobody listening to this is going to get that reference. Uh, Kurt will. I hope Kurt will. will. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I, I, I don't know. I, I thought that was like a funny thing because I didn't watch that game live, so I watched it afterwards, and like I was like waiting for this 
horrific Capella play that I saw kept getting referenced, and then I watched it and I was like, "That's it? That's the one?" I'm like, I, I mean, I get why it's like, yeah, you expect him to make that shot, but I also think it's, I think it's a little bit much. People are like, he should have come down with it, and he's got to lay up. It's like, yeah, if he comes down with that, I think Mitch is getting back over there, and that's a he might just swat that shit, but. Mitch is, Mitch is or put him on really the well. line, which Capella's yeah. not a great free throw shooter either, right? So, yeah, um, he's he's playing. Yeah, I know the, again, the opener was not great, but I think he's played really, really well the last. Couple the opener games. is that's just gonna be a weird matchup. Like, I think personally, the next time I would like to see them try Randall on KP more and put um, put Mitch on, you know, even if it's Tatum. Honestly, I would, um, you know. But certainly, if it's Horford, they should be having Mitch on Horford and and um, and, and um, Randall on KP. Um, that's kind of my thought. But um, but I mean, barring that, it's just oh, that's always going to be a weird matchup for him. Luch is always a weird matchup for him. Jokic is a weird matchup for him, right? Um, so well, I think Jokic we can say is a weird matchup for everybody, everyone, and and so is KP. Like, let's be like, I don't think Mitch's defense was bad. I think to the extent that he was out of position and KP got some open threes, there was one play where um, Brunson got beat and Mitch just got kind of caught in no man's land. Um, but you know that was also that he was just he was in a really bad I, I, like where KP backed on him. I don't know if you remember that play the, the lob. Um, mm, yeah. So like, I didn't think he was that bad against the Celtics either. It just wasn't a great game for sure. But. He just couldn't make himself like he couldn't. Make himself imposing. He couldn't yeah, impose his will. But I again give the Celtics credit for a lot of that. So yeah. <laughs> that's that's the one phrase no one wants to hear. Um, but I mean, I, I thought I thought he was good against Pelicans. I think he's been good so far this year. Um, I think Divincenzo. It is going to take some time to integrate, and they probably want him to explore. Like they, I think you know, with Hartenstein, it was the same thing in preseason. He had a lot of uh, offensive freedom. Then, you know, he realized, oh, the threes aren't falling. Then they got him to kind of go the other way where he focused on rebounding. And then, you know, when it all clicked, he just seemed to, I think it'll take some time. And, I, and both of them, you know, Hardenstein is coming from a Ty Lue offense. DiVincenzo is coming from a Steve Kerr offense. They're having to adapt to, you know, slower pace and all of that. So I, I don't, I don't, I'm not too worried about that. Um, I'll ask this. Is there, um, I mean, uh, is there anything you wanted to see? Is there anything you've seen besides you mentioned Josh Hart that you weren't expecting to see that's concerning? Is there anything that you wanted to see that you haven't, um, you know, over these first three games from the Knicks? Um, Brunson making shots would be nice. <laughs> That'd be good. Uh, no, uh I don't. I don't really think so. Like, I, I think some of the. I mean, obviously, there's stuff I talked about earlier, but I, I think they're just working some stuff out, getting the conditioning back. The preseason was a disaster, by the way. And if anything, like, there's something for them to take away from this is that I don't know what how, how your pre-schedule preseason schedule ends up being as stupid as the Knicks was, but like that was really stupid. Um, they basically did not have a preseason in a lot of ways for most of their key players, and. Um, I think we saw this with the NFL teams this year too, where it was like you have teams that just didn't play their quarterback and their first string guys at all. And then you come out opening week and it was like, 
oh, football is hard. Like, how do we do this? And I think you're seeing that a little bit of that in the NBA too, where teams that rested all their guys in preseason and arrested them significantly are take some time to build up that stamina in your legs. And um, yeah, I think I think you see that with the Knicks a little bit. But I mean, one thing I actually have liked seeing, and I know he hasn't shot the ball well the last two games after he shot well in the opener from three anyway. Um, I like that quickly he's not hesitating on threes. Like he, I haven't seen a lot of the pump fake, you know, into a, a worse shot or pump fake to put the ball on the floor and drive into the paint that's already packed or something like that. Like I think that's been good to see. I think obviously DiVincenzo's got a quick trigger, which is nice. And I think Grimes is actually, when he's gotten open shots, he's pulled the trigger on them. But like, you want to see those three guys very specifically not hesitate on those shots because they will, I believe, over the course of the season, you will benefit from that. Like they, they will make that worth your while. It's just a matter of sticking with it and don't let your shooting slumps uh, impact your decision making. But yeah, I've been, I don't know. Like I, I just, I'm not watching this team right now and, and feeling like I felt, I remember at the start of the 2021 22 season, they were already that even when. Well, even when we were winning, I just thought our defense looked bad. And that was really concerning to me. You didn't even have faith that... in Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker's defensive prowess? Kemba Walker's. Less said about him, better. Uh, but I don't feel that way about this team at all. Like, I don't, I'm not watching this and I'm like, oh, man. So, like, the things I, I am saying to keep an eye on, to me, are, like, pretty correctable. Um, if there's one thing obviously to be concerned about, just because we've seen it before, is if Julius really just has a terrible shooting season. That would obviously suck for a lot of reasons. Uh, that's something probably to keep an eye on. But like, but in terms of know, the process, it doesn't seem like that's a thing. That's the thing that we'd expect to happen at this point, right? So like, I mean, he, he's a little bit disjointed. Whatever. It's it's different. It's different to me than twenty twenty one twenty two, where like it felt from the start of the season he was just like off kilter in ways that were like kind of you're like, are you good emotionally? Like, are, is everything okay? He doesn't. He's not. It's not, it's not that. Yeah, it's not that right now. He's just playing not great offensively. But like, I think his effort's been pretty good. Again, I think his defense has been. I mean, I don't want to say good, but like definitely better than what we saw last year, or not, like yeah, last year and the season before that, to be honest. Um, I think the offense will come around. I, I don't know what else really to take away from that. Uh, if there's one thing to probably say about this game, if like if Tibbs could do it over, maybe on the first back to back of the season, you throw Deuce in there for a little bit. I don't know for who Tyler. though for Brunson. I mean, Brunson only played 32 minutes opening night. Yeah, that, that's the other part. Is like nobody actually played a lot of minutes. Yeah, in this game. Um, so I, I I don't. I mean, yeah. So. I mean, and quickly, quickly wasn't great against Atlanta. He was up and down against New Orleans. I thought overall he was fine, and he was probably their best player against Boston. So yeah, he definitely was. Yeah, it's definitely it's just been tough. I think to find these minutes when Quickly's playing like that, right? Because you're not going to bench Brunson. Well, yeah, no, of course not. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, I think um, you know how how have you felt? About quickly, you know, started out with a great performance against Boston. Didn't shoot the ball well against Atlanta. A little bit up and down yesterday. Um, you know, I think I saw mixed responses about him. I think most people would probably say he was mediocre against New Orleans. 
uh, not yesterday, sorry, Saturday. Um, what have your thoughts on quickly been so far? Do you think the extensions affecting him? You know, is it just kind of what you expected, no matter what? I don't know. I mean, unless he's thinking about the extension every time he takes an open three, like or a three that he's relatively open on, I don't know how that would be the reasoning for any struggles he's had so far. Uh, I actually thought he played well against Atlanta. I thought he played well. He missed nine threes, or he missed eight threes. If he makes two of those, I think people are having a completely different conversation about his game. Uh, what, I think he finished with like 11, 6, and 4 in that game or something like that. Um, if he makes two of those, op- and they're open threes. He got good threes, he just missed them. If he makes two of those threes, I think the conversation is completely different. Oh, wow, no, what a nice fucking game from our backup point guard, 17, 6, and 4. That's so nice. What a luxury the Knicks have. Um, yeah. He had 10 shots on nine points against the Pelicans. Again, I didn't love his decision making, but like, I think that group is trying to work some stuff to- out together. And I think once Steven Chenzo and Hart dial it back a little bit with whatever they're trying to do, like, I, I thought they like kind of took RJ out of his rhythm too a little bit with how they were playing. So I think both those guys got hurt in that game from it. Um, so like, I'm not really that worried about either. I mean, I'm not worried about quickly. I'm not worried about RJ. If I'm worried about RJ, it's more about like long-term stuff that I just had questions about coming into the season, but I'm not worried about him in terms it of It like, seems like, has he mitigated all of those questions for you pretty much? No, it's been three games. Okay, but in those three games, from what you've seen, do you think those questions have been addressed? Or do you think he's just shooting well at the rim and they're putting him in good spots? I mean, I didn't love how he put it against Boston. I mean, I, I like the second half. The first half was better, I think. But I love, I love, I love the defense against Boston. I thought his defense was really good throughout. Seems like he um, always gets up for Tatum. Um, maybe it's a Duke thing. I don't know, but that's a matchup. It seems like he's always really risen to the level for. Yeah, definitely gets up for it. Um, okay. I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think he's playing well. I like a lot of what I'm seeing from him, but. I've seen him. Ha- I've seen him have three good games in a row before. I want him to like. I'll see. Let's see after twenty games, and if he does it for the vast majority of the next of the first twenty games of the year, then I'll feel a lot differently about it. But like, we've seen him have good stretches before. We've seen him put together good sequences on offense, on defense, whatever. It's about stringing together a good month, two months of the season, carry that over through the rest of the way. Like that would be that'd be huge. So. um you know, that's just what I, I guess I'm like, I'm wait and see. I I believe that he's going to have a good season. I've talked about this before. I think that last season is going to end up being the worst season of his career, probably. Um, but, like, I expected him to bounce back this year. Is he playing better than I expected even? Yeah, probably. But, and I just mean that from the defensive end of the floor. But, um Offensively, not at all. Like, uh, or sorry, defensively. I guess it just, it's just nice to see how he's playing. Um, I will say, like, I, I guess maybe if there's something to be concerned about the second unit, it felt like it feels like Hartenstein is a little bit. He's less involved than I thought he would be. Uh, is probably the best way to put it. I thought he would be a little bit more central to um, what they're trying to do offensively. There's still time for that to happen. But he has just not, he was not involved very much at all against the, uh, the Pelicans, at the very least. He did have a nice putback, or I guess free throw line, but whatever you want to call it, uh, against Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken. But in general, I'm just waiting for him to have more of an impact. And just like, not, I mean, not impact is the wrong word, but 
be more involved offensively with that bench group than we've seen. And this is also like where I think DiVincenzo and Hart and, or DiVincenzo and Hart, when they go off kind of script and, and start trying to initiate themselves or, or create and all that stuff, like I think he doesn't get involved. Like, you know, I, I know quickly doesn't get assist for it, but I, he quickly dined up a few times that ended up getting him to the line uh, against the Pelicans. And, um, you know, like, I think him and quickly have a pretty good understanding in the pick and roll now and, you know, DHOs and all that stuff. And so when quick isn't getting on the ball as early or as often as you'd like, or RJ for that matter, with that group, I think it takes away from Hartenstein and that that's tough for him. So, um, I mean, that's probably where I'm the most concerned with it. Um, and like concern is the wrong word. It's just something that I've got my eye on, right? There are things I have my eye on. There are things I don't. That would be one. Um, you know, I've already mentioned, obviously, like the how kind of the, the how kind of like the ball handling duties, I guess, are split up with the benches and other. And then just like finding Grimes is another one, like where I'm like, I don't know, like I, I want I want this guy. I think they just need to do a better job of getting him involved early in games. You know, that's that's that is my my big gripe with this team, and very specifically, I'm gonna be honest, with Jalen Brunson more so than Randall, uh, because Randall, I think asking him to consistently find player X and get them involved is how you put too much on his plate and set yourself up for disappointment. With Brunson, you know he has the ability. You know he can make the pass. You know he can break down the defense to create openings for, for Quentin Grimes uh, to capitalize on. But if he doesn't pass it to him, then it doesn't matter. And that can't persist. That has to change um, as we continue through the season. Uh, it, it's not good enough to, to just be – I know he had ended up with – Six. So he ends up. Yeah, he ended up with six threes against the the Pelicans. But I would love to see how many of those were set up by by Brunson. Uh, it, it just does not feel like a high enough number, and um, that is definitely something that we have to be cognizant of, and something that Brunson has to be cognizant of, quite honestly. So um, we will see how that goes. I am certainly. Curious uh, to kind of see how that all unfolds. Um, okay, well, uh, Stacy has Stacy is is not with us right now. Um, he's he's with us in spirit, not in body. Um, I'm gonna be honest; like, I just don't have a lot to say yet. I know that's bad. Um, I don't know. I, I just, again, I, I really don't have much more to say about these first three games. I think they're like, yeah, maybe get Hartenstein more involved. And I do think part of that is related to quickly, but, you know, obviously get crimes more involved. But aside from that, it just feels like they're working stuff out. Yeah. Um, so on that note, looking ahead, um, you know, a lot of people have noticed that the Knicks have a pretty front loaded schedule in terms of back to backs. I mentioned this earlier. Um, you know, in terms of the Knicks probably not having a record that we would have expected them to have, you know, relative to 500 for a while. 
you know, are you concerned about that? Or, you know, do you feel like this is just kind of happens every year in some way or another? Or uh, what are kind of your thoughts on that? And, you know, are you worried that people are going to maybe overreact if the Knicks are hovering around 500 for a while? Um, I'm not going to be worried about if people overreact because that's what they'll do. <laughs> uh, I can't it. Yeah, it doesn't I, matter if you overreact. I can't control that. Um, do I think people overreact? Probably. I think that's fine. I, I just like the schedule is tough to start. I they might catch a break here tomorrow against Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland, it looks like they may be out without Garland, Allen, and somebody else, maybe Dean Wade. But I mean, look, they might still get Mitchell and Mobley. Obviously, those guys are very capable of helping. Yeah, them don't we want Allen and Garland in the game based on how maybe the lights are too right? But like, yeah, I, I think. Again, like you get the back to back against Cleveland, it's very hard to beat a night our team. Both games of back to back, let alone a really good team. Right? Yeah, let alone a really good team. I know Cleveland hasn't gotten off to the best start either, so injuries have been part of that. To be fair to them, they've missed guys for a certain amount of time. So, um, I, I don't know. Like, if you want to overreact about three games or the start after the first, I think like the first eleven games we have are pretty brutal before the schedule softens up a bit. Um, but like. The Knicks just need to get through these first 15, 20 games. And if they do that, they should be fine. Uh, they got – so, like – the schedule is so stupid. Uh, they play tomorrow at Cleveland. They play Wednesday against Cleveland at home. Then they get the Bucks. They travel to the Bucks on Friday. Honestly, this might not be a bad time to play the Bucks. Uh, I Look, they have Giannis and Dame, so they can win whenever. But, like – they look like they're definitely still in the feel out process. It was like when we played the Heat, we were one of the first teams to play the Heat after the uh, after LeBron signed there, right? So, um, and we won, right? Didn't we win that first game we played against them? Uh, when they started eight and eight. Yeah, I think I think you're talking about a different game. I know what you're talking about. You're talking about when like Chauncey Billups had a big three against them. We're talking about no, no, that. Post trade, I'm talking about. Um, I know they had one at the Garden that we came back and beat them in the fourth quarter at that time. Uh, but yeah, like I mean, that was the Johnson game. No, I'm thinking of a different season. I'm thinking of a season where the Knicks were actually just god awful and they beat the Heat. But I mean, to your point, that happens. Like, yes, like it, it does look like that a little bit. Yesterday, the game against, but that, that Heat team started eight and eight. So yeah, separate from the Knicks, they they you know it took a time for. Two of the Eight best and nine, players. I think they started actually. Yeah. Um, the two of the best players, the top twenty players ever. One is the top two. Bosch is obviously probably top one hundred all time. It took them time to figure it out, and you know yeah, the Bucks are probably not at that level. So yeah, I think the Bucks are like it, it's not a bad time to play these teams. So like honestly, this week you go two and one. You're sitting there after this week at three and three. I think you've got to feel pretty good about that. All things considered, you've already played two back to backs. They've traveled two on these backpacks, which is brutal. Like that's the thing that really pisses me off about these backpacks that are earlier in the season for them, is you're not even getting like, oh well, they're both at home, or it's like, oh, it's you know, we're playing at home and then we have to go to Brooklyn the next day or something, right? Or you're like, like in LA to Phoenix, right? It's like they went from what Atlanta to New Orleans, like you know. yeah, and then to, and then they're gonna go from Cleveland to New York, which is not an easy back to back either. So like they they're traveling quite a bit on these back-to-backs. I'm not trying to make excuses. I Like I said, I think if they can get through this week 2-2, two and two, 
you'll be fine. Even if they go one and two, I'm not going to lose my mind over it, man. You'll be two and four, six games in. It's not the worst thing that's ever happened in the world. Um, yeah, like I, I will like after this this week though. Next week seems pretty big. Like they get the Clippers at home. I know the Clippers look really good in a couple games. Like not so great in other games. Yeah, but going coast to coast is always tough, right? So yeah, you think so, that makes that an advantage there. Yeah. And then they get the Spurs next Wednesday, and they get the Hornets next Sunday. I know that the Spurs have Victor, Victor Wembanyama. He's not looked great. Who's when that? I uh, exactly. Uh, he has not looked great. They have not looked great, unsurprisingly. Uh, I mean, I guess surprising to some since they do have Devin Vassell, who is the greatest player of all time. Um, but, yeah, like, uh, this schedule, if they can go 2-1 this week, they're 3-3. Three they have a chance to be above 500 after the next six games. And I think considering the schedule, how it's all lined up against them, I think, I think you'd take that. If you got offered that right now, I'd definitely take it. So yeah, I, mean, um, I think if they're like after all-star break, I think there's a big potential to surge. That schedule is soft. There are, I mean, I was looking at this and there's like, I think they can go on like a 15, 20 game winning streak or like something like 17 and three over a 20 game stretch. So yeah, I agree completely. Like if they can tread water over the first part of the season, they can, they really, I mean, now the downside of that, of course, is, you know, injuries will mount, right? Um, this is a deep team. So maybe that's something you lean into, but, um, but they just need to, um, like they can't just let the bottom fall out at the start of the season. Because the opportunities will be down the back half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. I mean, I think in, in some ways you just have to kind of like weather the storm of a season. And uh, you know, we can sit here and talk about the schedule all we want. At the end of the day, you play the same teams. Like you play the same teams, the same amount of games, more or less, um, every year. You play them home and away, the Western Conference. You play them however many times uh, in the East, and it's like these teams are consistent. So I'm not. I don't know. The schedule stuff to me is just not worth like focusing on too much. If like I do agree that like the back to back stuff to start the season and it feels especially brutal, but like you're gonna have to play these games anyway. So just get through this first, you know, fifteen twenty games. Much, and I think they'll be good. How much does I think you you probably have a much better understanding of this than me in terms of a point spread, right? Or you know, if you're thinking about this in terms of point spread, how much of a difference is it? All else equal to be playing a second game of back to back versus you know with the day of rest in the middle. Do you do you have an idea about that, or I don't know if anyone's done that analysis. Like, what's the difference in terms of point spread? Like from yeah. So let's say the Knicks are three and a half point favorites normally against the team, but then let's say the other team is playing on a day of rest. The Knicks are in a second game of back to back. Like, what does that usually change in terms of spread? Um. I have no idea, to be honest. I, I don't know. Uh, I imagine it probably doesn't move the spread as much as people think. Because, I mean, last year, like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the Knicks actually played well in the second end of back-to-backs last year. So if anything, you would think it might work in their favor in that sense. But, like, you know, seasons are weird and not consistent. Do you think that was because Tibbs was forced to play quickly and some of the bench players more? That's why they played better. That's the second game is a back-to-back. Maybe, maybe it was. But no, I just think I, I think they they have good depth. I think they care most nights. They're pretty consistent. And um, look, the things they're good at travel. So like, even in these games we've lost to both Boston and the Pelicans, you play 
you win the possession battle to the degree that we have, you're probably going to win more than not. Like, if you keep winning the possession battle to the degree that we did, especially in those games, you will probably win more than not. Um, if there's, I mean, I don't even know how, again, I don't even know how much takeaway from this. I did feel like we got broken down off the dribble quite a bit against Atlanta, but like they also have Trey and DeJounte, so that's going to happen. And yeah, mostly Brunson, right? Yeah, Brunson, I thought he started off the season as good as you could hope for him defensively against Boston. I've, that's because Drew is not pretty dynamic off yeah, the dribble. He, he has not been great the last couple of games, I will say that, on defense. Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be a bad matchup for him, but you know that's why the Knicks have basically everyone else who plays guard minutes is a really good defender. Um, you know, kind of shifting gears a little bit. Um, there have been some players the Knicks have either been attached to or have you know whatever that have popped a little bit. Um, so I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on. You know, it seems like there's a lot of talk about some of these guys, like oh, the Knicks should have gotten him. Let's start with Jalen Duran. Um, Jalen Duran has put up put up a, a line that I think only LeBron and one other player had put up. Um, you know, I know that you were higher on Duran at the draft. Um, you know, just seeing a guy like that pop change maybe your evaluation of uh, what they did in that draft. Um, no, like I, I he's a center. Mitch is a really good center. I have Jalen Dern on my fantasy team, so I'm happy for that. But like, I if you're doing like 2022 NBA draft like regrets, I, I, that that is not one. Um, I I don't know why. Like, why, I I don't know why this is always the Knicks too. It's like, oh, the Knicks passing guy. I mean, he got drafted what 13th or whatever the fuck it was. Or is it no? It's eleventh, right? I, I don't really whatever it was. I mean, no, it was it was thirteenth. Eleventh was um, we traded down. Oh, that's there. right. That was Usman Jang. Um, yeah, like I, if he wants to, I mean, what, Charlotte took Mark Williams over him, right? Yeah, um, and I like I like Mark Williams a lot, and like I think that was a legitimate debate. I mean, you're, yeah. it's the well, uh, my crazy wingspan like, guy versus the kind of athletic. Skills you guys. My point is like, why are we? Why would I care about that? Like, our centers have been fine this season, and they've been good. They were good last season, and like that's. Well, the question would be: Can Durant be like more than someone like Mitch? Can he be? Because I think a lot of people do think a surprising number of people actually think Mitch holds the Knicks back, which I don't agree with. I think me and you have both talked. I mean, uh, I, I've been pretty vocal about that, but. You know, if Duran evolves into something like Bam, you know, that would be the, the kind of rationale. Well, I think I'll worry about it if and whenever that happens. Um, I, I actually would say, I've, I actually watched a little bit of the Pistons on Friday and uh, yesterday played, or was the day before? I don't know. They played the Bulls. I don't remember if it was yesterday or the day before, but one of those days I watched them also. Um, it was It was Saturday they did that. So, I actually think, like, the reason their defenses look better this year has very little to do with him. It's because they're playing actual good perimeter defenders now. Um, that Osser, Thompson, Cade, and Killian lineup to start this, these games. Like, say whatever you want about Killian Hayes. He's a pretty good defender. Cade's a good defender. 
Oster's a good defense, defender. And they're just not giving up a lot of durable penetration. They're switching a lot. They're making it very hard on teams. And I you uh, said dual penetration. Huh? I thought you said dual penetration. Sorry. Oh, no. Um, well, they're not allowing that either. Uh, and Burks, you know, he's spacing the floor fine. They've also played, like, the fucking Hornets, the Bulls, and uh, the Heat. The Heat have not gotten off to a good start. I don't see anybody, like, freaking out about whatever the fuck they did or didn't do yet. No, nah, but I'll, I'll give our friend uh, our friend Kelly Oberner had a very elite agenda post about how I even forget the guy's name. Whoever they replaced Gabe Vincent with is averaging five points a game, and so is Vincent. So I'll give uh, Miami. Miami knows how to control the PR. I'll give them that. They are good at that. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I've, I like what I see from Dern. I think he's a good player. Obviously, he's a very good. He's a more talented scorer than Mitch will ever be. We know this. Um, how much that matters, I am very unsure. And as far as like we like Mitch holds us back, I've thought that before. I've even argued for it before. I think the threshold though, if he's if he's actually rebounding this well offensively, which he did last year and he did this and he's continued off in the same vein now, I think that's a totally different threshold that you have to hit um for most centers to be so unequivocal. And defensively, right? I mean, yes. Yeah. Also an elite defender. Yeah, worse, so, so uh, I'm yeah, I'm not I'm not regretting the Jalander thing, and I think as soon as Brunson gets his shit together from mid range, that conversation will probably cease to happen from anybody. Um, but yeah, you know, it is it is cool that a guy that went in the lottery and was considered the best big in the draft uh, apparently was really disrespected by everybody who doubted him, his haters and his doubters, uh, only geniuses. Put you on Jalen Duran. Uh, the only only the real draft Knicks knew who Jalen Duran was. It's a feeling only him and LeBron know. Yes. Yeah. I mean, look, it's and Kanye. So. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I, I I honestly, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? I have nothing else to talk about. Uh, there were there was one other guy in that yep. vein. Uh, Kelly Oubre has started the season pretty well. Yeah, don't care. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm shocked to hear this, man. Yeah. Kelly Oubre um, could average a fucking 50-point triple-double for the season, and I'd still be like, yeah, he sucks. Fuck him. Do you think the context in Philly has changed, or do you think this is just an early-season aberration? I think he's... I mean, it might be a little bit of both. Like, it definitely helps that Harden's not playing, I think, because they need some... And Max is like, falling out. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think that, that helps. Like, he needs somebody to pick up the usage, and Oubre is always more than happy to do that. <laughs> um, but, like, you know what? Phillies played two games, right? They played. No, uh, I, so, so my my take is with Ubre. I think you want him to not pick up that usage, right? It's like with Harrison Barnes. Like when the guy, like he was at his best when he kind of could be an ancillary piece, or Wiggins, or basically everyone that goes to the Warriors. And with Ubre, when he's been empowered to do shit like that, it seems like that's when people are like, "Oh my god, he scores twenty points a game, but he's at fifty-one percent tree shooting and doesn't do literally anything else." So my question is, do you think it's more the fact that Philly does have a lot of good players, so he's kind of, you know, could it be something like Wiggins kind of turning around his career, or, or Barnes on the Warriors, I guess not turning around, but going from, as a prospect, being this high-usage envisioned guy uh, to, like, role player, right? Do you think that's kind of maybe, a, I don't know how much you watch at Philly, but I'm curious about that, because I watched a, little bit a guy of- that I got into arguments with people about, they were like, 
we need a big wing. And I'm like, no, not that guy. But he's playing well. So. Uh, I watched him a little bit yesterday um, against Portland. I watched their opener, obviously, after the Bills were done on Thursday night against the Bucks, Or halftime, I guess you should say, the game. Um, he's playing well, for sure, right now. A lot of that is he's shooting well, which I, I don't know why I would believe that he's going to continue to shoot as well as he shot from the field. I think it can go both ways in terms of like, does he want, does he, should he get the usage? Should he not? What's better for him? Um, I don't know, but I do think they need somebody to take up usage as a team and help other guys kind of stay in more, stay in roles that suit them better. They look like they're playing more freely offensively. Like I like the dribble handoff stuff. That's better. Um, but like they're one and one, you know, they played the Bucks and then they played a really bad Blazers team right now. That that team is awful. I think Chauncey Gillips is a fucking terrible head coach, by the way. Um, well, they are Steve, tanking, right? I mean, they're tanking, but they're not trying to lose games right at the start of the season and they're not playing like they're not running the rotations like that. I just think they have two men. I think they got to get their vets out of there. Um, I think they need to just give the keys to Scoot. I saw way too much Malcolm Brogdon bring the ball up the floor. Yesterday when they was on the floor at Scoot, did not sixth like man that. Of the year, though. Yeah, yeah, sixth man. Uh, did not like that, but we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Ubre is fine. Good for him. I don't really care. No, I'm not. I don't regret that at all. He probably he wouldn't get those. He wouldn't get the usage here, by the way. Like he definitely wouldn't. So yeah, it's funny because yeah, because he'd probably be taking the usage away from RJ really, right? So there's no way Tibbs would play him at the four. So yeah. Um, all right. I think that is a good place to end it. Uh, Stacy, let the people know where they can find you and plug anything you like to plug. Uh, you can find me at StacyPad89. Um, nothing to plug. Um, just, um, stay woke to media bias. Uh, Michigan's innocent, I tell you. Yeah, well, we'll find out. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a very fair and open and honest uh, investigation that occurs. Uh, I have nothing to plug myself, uh, so I'll just plug all the work at Strickland. Check out all of the uh, the great pods. Check out the work that Sam and Tyrese and Jeff are doing on the post games after each game. And um, check out Strictly NFL. I think Khan and Jeff are doing a really great job with that. They should have a very special guest on this week. All right. That is our show for today. Thank you to Ben Online for all of their wonderful help. Again, that's our show for today. Hope everybody has a great week. Uh, what do you think the next? What do you think they go this week? One and two, two and one, zero oh and three, three and zero. Oh. What's up? Uh, it's Cleveland twice in LA. That's good. Milwaukee. Oh, one and two. I think this is Cleveland. And yeah, I I'm more optimistic than I would be if it was later in the season, but I'm still going to pick Milwaukee. One and two, and I'll be okay with it. Uh, I'm going to go two and one. Do you think they sweep Milwaukee, or are they, or they sweep Cleveland, or are they? I think they split Cleveland. I think each one gets one on the other's home floor, and then I think um, they beat Milwaukee. Milwaukee. I think that that might be a Brunson get right game. All right, they did split. They did each one did get one on the other's floor in the playoff. They got one. They won game two. Or, oh yeah, sorry. yeah, they won game two, but that's on their home floor. Yeah. They have. They didn't win the Memphis. They, they haven't beaten Michigan. They haven't beaten. They haven't beaten New York. Yeah, I know. They haven't beaten. Oh, the I, I mean, there's another team from Ohio that hasn't beaten yeah. Michigan in a while either. So that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's because we, uh, you know, we're just so yeah. we're we're Schwinn, We're just kicking so many Ohio teams' asses that we're just getting confused. We so. stole their signals. Um, yeah, I think I think 
two and one. Feel good about the Knicks end of the end of the week at five hundred. It would be really nice if they just win on on Friday because then I could like be happy for the whole weekend with them. Like I, I get the whole weekend just be like, oh yeah, the Knicks are great, what a fucking great win. Um, whereas when they lost on Saturday, I was like, man, this sucks. It's annoying. All right. Anyway, that is the show for today. Hope everybody has a great week, and thank you to our sponsor, Bet Online. I will see you on Friday. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wallen. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.